Mikey Spear. It's so good to be here and be preaching when you guys are playing. What a, a blessing. Have to thank uh, John Spencer, who will be going off to Ole Miss. He was on the home. I appreciate his uh, ministry to us. And uh, John, you'll have to get your replacement. I don't know if Jesse told you or not now. So, if uh, you have your, your Bibles, uh, please turn to Philippians chapter 4. Continue to preach through this wonderful, wonderful epistle. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, it's on page 982. 982. Uh, I'm almost sad that we're coming to an end of, of this, this wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, before we, we read I just wanted to make two observations and then we'll go into the scripture reading. Uh, as we come to an end of this letter, uh, Paul has been writing about two important and major relationships that concern the Christian in the first three chapters. And that is a personal relationship with Jesus both now in this world and in the world to come. Then he's emphasizing relationships that we have with people on this earth. And the overarching thought by Paul is the love of Christ for his people in both of these relationships. And joy is a response to God and Christ by Christ. In our relationships that we have here on this earth, which are not always great, not always easy. And so we're going to see that and Paul reminds us in all his epistles that Satan fights against these relationships. Always fighting to alienate us against Jesus Christ. Always fighting to alienate us against one another. And this is where we've been. And we pick up and we, we start. Well, I'm not going to start reading it, but uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he turns to the third relationship, and that's the relationship that we have in our own lives, our own um, emotional uh, relationship, our spiritual self. And in this chapter, starting in verse 4, Paul has spoken about God having love and peace and joy, emotional stability in these areas. And we're going to now uh, look at contentment. This is kind of the last one of the last areas he deals with. And so, this is God's Word. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. This is verse 10. That now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is the Word of God. You guys can say thanks be to God. Okay. We used to do that, and I kind of miss it. So... Anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we 
uh, come now before you. We thank you that you have spoken to us through this epistle. This is your word, living and active. Father, it is given to Paul by you and the Holy Spirit. And now, Father, we ask that as we approach it, uh, it would be done in a worthy manner and that we would rightly discern it. We would ask, Father, that you would drop deep down into our hearts, into our souls, our very being, the truth that you would have. We would be more in love with Jesus Christ. We would be more in love with the people around us. Father, we would have a right, stable, joyful relationship with our own soul. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In 2021, the United States uh, of America ranked 19th in the world of all countries for being happy and content. Uh, this was not done by a Christian organization. I don't know how they, but it was just interesting. We ranked 19th. Number one was Finland and Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland. So those people are happy and content, however. But I'm not really surprised by what we see in our society today. By the way, Afghanistan was the last one happy and content, which again, we understand that. But I think it's important that we define what it means to be content because Paul says, I've learned to be content. And the Greek word, alkarkes, comes from within this verse, or, or Philippians 4.11. It refers to a positive self-sufficiency that comes from the indwelling power of Christ. It's not just that you think good thoughts and you be positive and uh, you feel like you can do all great things, but it comes from an indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that does make you sufficient to be content in everything. Uh, I was reading some commentaries during this time and I, and I ran across this, this story this author was saying and I can relate to it. He was in an airport and the plane was delayed and he was like, flying to Chicago and he had an important meeting. But he just sat down and waited patiently and he was reading. And there right across the little island where I was seated was a man, a businessman. He was pacing back and forth, past the port. And finally, after a couple hours, I said, okay, you can board your plane. And he was rushing up, and he stopped, and he asked his officer, he said, how can you be so calm during this time? He said, and, and the, the author was able to share Christ with him, telling the reason for him being content. And I flashed back immediately so, uh, when I was working and uh, I was flying from Nashville to Atlanta, Atlanta then to Jackson, uh, and I had gone this way uh, each month, I had to go up at that time to Nashville. We usually went to Memphis, Memphis, to Nashville. I said, I'm going to try going this way. And uh, I'll be home a little bit soon. Well, uh, I get to Atlanta and they say, well, you've got about a two-hour wait. And then he said, but if you've been to Atlanta, I was in Concord, I think, C. If you want to go over to D, there might be a plane you can get sooner. So I get all my stuff, I get on that train, I go, and I get there and I go up and say, oh yeah, we're, we're backed up by another hour. So why don't you go back? So I, I get all my stuff, I go back. 
And I get back and I say, well, we're back to three hours. You need to go back. So I get when I go back. So I can't, but I finally get home about two o'clock in the morning, but I was supposed to get home at eight. And uh, I just remember being so out of sorts and not, and so I could relate to that businessman who was pacing back and forth saying to this Christian author, why are you so calm? And as, as Christians, as we go through life, we go through the trials, the ups and downs of life, uh, we're, we're going to have to be content. Well, a guy named Warren Wearsby, he comments on being content. And he says this, contentment is not escaping from the battles of life. Uh, that is the apathy attitude. I don't care. I just don't care. But rather it's having an abiding peace and confidence because of my relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of the battles of life. Again, not escaping from the battles of life, but rather having an abiding peace and confidence because of my relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of the battles of life. And Paul comes and he talks about four things in these four chapters, from these four verses, about how to be content. First of all, he says, you must be thankful for the providence of God. Second, he says you have to develop an attitude of gratitude. Third, he says circumstances don't determine contentment. And lastly, he says contentment is learned in the ups and downs of life. First, being thankful for God's providence. Uh, the King James in the American Standard Version starts first in with but. In the ESV, if you look, it starts with I rejoice. And you see that but I rejoice is very personal. If you put greatly in it now, you put all that together in the Greek, uh, is, Paul is saying that he is delighted right now in God's grace at the very powerful flooding of the joy Paul's inner being. And if you know that as we've gone through the book of Philippians, it's a book of joy. Seventeen times joy or joyful mention. And uh, I think we have defined joy, but he says that he is delighting in God's grace. And it's a big deal. He's saying it's a big deal to me to be content. I am joyful and I am content. First of all, he says it's for God's providence. Uh, Paul believed and trusted that God was working in advance to arrange all the circumstances of Paul's life, both good and bad. And we're going to talk a little bit about the next point. But the larger catechism, question 18, says, what are the works of God's providence? The answer is, God's providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures, ordering them and all their actions to His own glory. And Paul believed that God was sovereign and controlled His life. How do you get that, Knox? Because he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. He says, I rejoice in the Lord. And he said that God is in control. And says this, look, he says, I knew you were concerned for me, but you didn't have an opportunity to show it. He says that in verse 10. What was Paul talking about? He's talking about that he's in prison in Rome. 
on trumped-up charges. And if you want to read about it, go to Acts 25 and 28. He's in prison because he's preaching about Jesus Christ. But he's, he says, if you go back and look at Philippians 1.12, he says, For the advancement of the gospel, for the kingdom and glory of God's sake, he knows he's in prison. He believes in the providence of God. And he says, this is where I find myself because this is God's plan for my life. And for all of us, no matter what we are going through, first of all, we have to stop and say, God's in control. I find myself in this place. And it's not by accident. God sovereignly has arranged this. Now, I'm not saying it's all fun and games because it's not. And Paul never says that. But he says, God is sovereign. And he acknowledges that. Application for us is me. All this is for me. And if it helps you, great. But he says that, that God is going to give me the strength. He's going to give you the strength in verse 13 to get through whatever you're going to go through. He makes that promise. And for us, is when things are a little haywire and we are prone not to be content, do we stop and say, God's going to give me strength and ability? Do we believe that? Do we believe that God is in control? Do we believe that God wants us to be conformed to His image and to His likeness during this? Do you believe that God loves you and wants you to be with Him in heaven? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God was preaching about that this morning. That by testing, we have, we can't always control our circumstances, but we can control what we think. And we can control what we believe. And we can trust God in our circumstances. That He is sovereign. Which brings us to our second point. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Verse 10, He says to the Philippians, You have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me. And then He goes on to say later on in this chapter, he says, how you brought gifts to me, how you supported me. He says in, in, in later, in, down in, in uh, verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, you Philippians yourselves, brother, from the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And he goes on to say, that this church has participated in his ministry. And I thank God that I have the ability to work with the missions committee of this church. And we are a missions-minded church. And we give, we have given in the past, and we're going to give in the future to missionaries. And having been a missionary, that this support, this church supported this young guy in 82 and 83 when I was in Liberia when I was young and had hair and had a mustache. You guys supported me, and I was so appreciative. I appreciated so many people that supported me and prayed for me. And all my missionaries say the same thing. 
Paul is saying, I am so appreciative. And he's saying this because he's in jail in Rome, not knowing if he's going to get out or not. But he says, thank you. Thank you. It's evident that this church was special. It's interesting, I was talking to a dear lady this week, and uh, she was talking about uh, a little bit of a lady, and uh, she got together with some of her friends in the age range, and they got to the point of talking about their grandchildren. And they all said that most of their grandchildren do not give them gifts. They don't give them gifts for their birthday, they don't give them gifts for Christmas, and some of these old ladies have given cards and given stuff to their grandkids. They've gotten thank you notes, but they haven't gotten gifts back. And they noticed that. And Jesus noticed that in Luke 17. Remember that? We we'll go back and read about the ten lepers. He heals ten lepers and he says, hey, go show yourself to the priest so you can get back into mainstream society. The priest was the, they were the, the medical uh, officers of the day. And if you had leprosy, they kicked you out. You couldn't go back to synagogue. You couldn't go back to the temple. You couldn't come back into society, your house, whatever, until you got a rent, a clean bill from the priest. If they would examine you and say, you're clear your leprosy. So Jesus says, go show yourself. And as they go, they're healed. One guy turns around and says, I'm going back to thank Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus notices it and said, Hey, where's the rest of the guys? I did not hear ten of you. Where are the other nine? It's basically what he's saying. Then he says to this guy, Because you came back, not only are you healed physically, but more importantly, you're healed spiritually. God is aware of our attitude of gratitude or lack of it. Deborah and I are trying to instill that into our son and to our daughter to be grateful, to be thankful. Feel free to help us along the way. Uh, but Paul is so grateful because he realizes the providence of God, but he also realizes that these dear people in Philippi, in a concrete, practical way, because they love Jesus in their union with Paul, they want to help Again, relationship to Paul, relationship to Christ, and relationship to other people. That helps you to be content where you are. If you're grateful for what you have and what other people have given you, what God has blessed you with. Which, to the third point, how do we be content? We recognize what Paul says in verse 11 and 12, not that I'm speaking of being neat, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. What situation was he in? Again, if you go back to Acts 25 or 28, he's under a house arrest. Why? Because he's preaching the gospel. He's just telling it like it is. And he gets trumped up by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they want to kill him. And so to save his own life, he says, okay, I feel wrong. And off the road he goes, and they put him under house arrest. Do you know the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? Ken, what's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? Right? Right. What, which one can you change? The thermostat. What can't you change? The temperature. The temperature is 150 out there. Okay? 
We, we know that by the thermometer. All it does is register as the temperature goes up and down. But as the temperature goes up, we all go home and we jack down our thermostat to as low as we can because that's what we can change. Our circumstances, usually we can't change. Okay? But what we can do is in the midst of our circumstances, we can go to the one that has the power to help us through them. Paul knows what is below the high. He says, I, you know, this is up and down. By the way, the Bible is very, very clear that life as a Christian is not all funny games. Nowhere will you see in the Bible say, hey, become a Christian. Life will be great. That is not the Bible. The Bible says we're going to suffer. We're going to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus says, hey, look, if they persecuted me, they're going to do the same to you. Probably do worse. So it's not being polyamic in your view of circumstances. But this understanding is my contentment does not depend upon my circumstances. It usually means when I'm good. I, I thought it was interesting that I'm not too much of a, of a, a Taylor Swift person, but I'm going to go listen to that song. You know, it seemed like Dora was saying that she, I haven't heard, who's heard that anti-hero song? Raise your hand. Few gone, okay, more than, all right. Well, she, you know, it sounds like she's saying, look, uh, don't worship me because I don't want to be worshipped. And uh, uh, it's too much of a burden on me. For, for somebody so young to have it all together, just, she seems pretty miserable at times, just to think personally. But, um, just because you have it all doesn't mean you're going to be content. And, and Paul, if you go back and read 2 Corinthians 11, he's talking about what has happened in his life. Shipwrecked three times, beaten with rods. Three times he's been whipped, 39. You know, he's been stoned once. They thought they killed him. He gets up, walked back out of this room. You know, they, they're out to get him. Paul's talking about, hey, this is just the reality of my life. And if anybody deserves to be depressed or despondent, or go into therapy and crawl up in a corner and not come out again, it's probably Paul, the greatest Christian who's ever lived. And yet he says, I can do all things through Christ. It's me. And so if we don't get much out of anything, is that our circumstances, especially in their back, is not going to determine if we're content or not. Our contentment depends upon our relationship with Jesus Christ. And ultimately, as we think I preached last time, time for last, I can't remember, really depends upon where you know you're going. We're going to heaven again. Dara was preaching about that to non-Christians this morning, about not being in the household of God, not knowing where they're going to go, and that affects their life. Here's the reality. Psalm 32 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. When you're in whatever situation you're in, Jesus, God's eye is upon you, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the right hand of God praying for you in heaven. God will never leave us, never let us go.
Which brings us to the last part. Number four, contentment is learned in the ups and downs of life. Paul says this, this is the key in verse 12. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. He, he's talking about learning there. He, he uses two words in the Greek. One he says, I, I know how to abound. Then the last is that I have learned the secret. So the first Greek word I have learned is the, the Greek word of going to school. You go to my son's in first grade. Okay, by the way, first grade today, they're doing a lot more than I did when I was in first grade. I know. And the only way he can, I've seen, I'm, I'm thankful for he went to 5K. He's learning on 5K. And I'm thankful he was at 3 and 4K here. Because I see him stacking up already. And that's the same way. John R., Dr. Abraham, and all the other doctors around here, you know, they didn't learn it all. Dr. Uh, Turner Thomas, Turner John in the back, um, they didn't learn it all in first grade. They had to go through high school. They had to learn in college. They had to go to medical school. They had to build on it. That's what he's talking about. As you go through the circumstances of your life, God is teaching He's working in your life. That's what circumstances, and we can all look back, especially in difficult circumstances that we've had in the past, and see what God has worked and what He taught us, what He's going to teach us, the next thing we go through. That is one of the keys of being content, is understanding I am being taught by God in all of my circumstances, in all of the issues, in all of my relationships. Then he says in verse 12, the idea there says, I have learned, learned the secret. Learned the secret. That the Greek there is kind of like being initiated into a secret society. That's kind of the meaning. But here's what William Hendricks says about that. He says, it is a revealed mystery that is a secret to others. Paul is thoroughly initiated into the mystery of being content by the experiences of life applied to the heart by the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul has been thoroughly initiated into the mystery of being content by the experiences of life applied to the heart by the Holy Spirit. In English, if you're not a Christian, you're never going to get it. You've got to be a Christian. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are, God says, I'm going to use that way that you can understand to bring contentment into your life. Especially when you're in difficult, hard situations. Non-Christians will never understand that. They just, they just won't. Which we come to the end. J.B. Phillips translates verse 13 this way. I am ready for anything through the strength of the one, big O, big N, big E, the one, Jesus Christ, who lives within me. The Christian has all the power within them that they need to be active for the demands of life. Again, I think Darwin talked the cost of that. The Holy Spirit, the time that you need the most, He's going to give you the power. Give you the power to get through. Not that you can do everything, 
I can't play that piano. I can't play that organ and blow the stick. I can't play this verse and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I'm going to play that piano. No, that's not what it means. It's that whatever God has planned for you, He's going to give you the strength. He's going to allow you to get through it. You can be content. I don't know if any of you read the bulletin. But if you did, you noticed something about this sermon for tonight. If you look at the title, for this I have Jesus. And uh, if you notice, I haven't even touched on that. Well, I've saved it very last. And uh, this is probably for preaching, God, so don't turn me into uh, uh, well, Dr. Bill Stanway, uh, mother to Stanway. I had seen a couple other, they would probably want me for this. But um, there's a guy named Rico Tox. He is a pastor in England at uh, John Scott's All Saints Church. He's, he told this story, I listened to it this week. And uh, he, he, he told the story of a man, I think, who had a saying for his life. He said, for this I am Jesus. And he was at a conference and he kind of told that story and later a lady wrote him. He was in England and said, I was at that conference and I tried to get up to him to tell you my story about that saying. I couldn't make it. And she said, I, I received from a friend in Canada this like a bookmarker and it had, for this I have Jesus. And she said, nice I have news that she was great. That's not. Then she got a phone call and uh, she, she laid it down on the bottom and the policeman called and said, hey, your husband's involved in a traffic accident. She didn't come down to the hospital. So she went down to the hospital and when she got there, they said, your husband's dying. And she had two small children and she went to primary school, gathered them up and, and took them home. And when she came to the door, she saw that. For this, I have Jesus. And she wrote, Rico, and says, that is reminding me that no matter what circumstance I am, I can do all things with Jesus Christ. Because for this, I have Jesus. Later on, the man who was a candidate came up with a hat stroke. And one of his friends called him to check on him. It affected his, his speech. But his friend said he could hear through the mumbling and the mutter of this, I am Jesus. The providence of God in all things for this, I am Jesus. Having an attitude of gratitude for this, I am Jesus. Circumstances don't determine my content because for this, I am Jesus. Contentment is learned in the ups and downs of life by the power of God. Because for this, I am Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. No matter what comes our way, for this we have Jesus. Pray that contentment will be a mark of our life and will be a joyful stability as we love you, Father, as we love Jesus, and as we love others. Father, we thank you that we can't be content. We would pray that people would see that contentment like the pastor who was in there careful.
people say, why are you so calm? Why are you so at peace? And we can say this, I am Jesus. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.